Welcome to the men's global live stream. We're in part three of our series called Not Of It. We're unpacking Jesus's warnings to his disciples to not get sucked into cultural movements, cultural ways, and cultural thinking. We're also unpacking Jesus's actions with the disciples. And we're also looking at Jesus's preparation of the disciples, listen, to get them ready and prepped to advance the kingdom in the midst of their culture. See, Jesus knows that the disciples, they have to think right before they can act right in a theater of battle that they have been dropped into. So he's speaking into them and he's preparing them for what's happening. So here's what's gonna happen today. We're gonna do a little review of where we were. We're gonna look at an actual pre-mission briefing between Jesus and the disciples. And then we're gonna talk about how to apply uh, what we see happening uh, in that briefing. So let's review a little bit. Uh, John chapter 17, verse six, Jesus is talking to God and he's describing us. And he says this about us. He says, they, us, his followers, are not of the world, even as I am not of it. All right, that means a few things. And that's why we're having this series is when you're described, you and I as his followers, as, hey, we're not of the world. We're not of the cultural atmosphere, not of the cultural ecosystem, not of its ways, not of its movements. We have to know what that means. And number one, being not of the world means our source is different. Our source is different. If you're not of the world, then what are we of? Well, we are of Christ, of his word, of his spirit, and of heaven. That was part one. If you're not of the world, that means you're of something else. And those are the things that we are of. We're of Christ, of his word, of his spirit, and of heaven. The Bible calls us ambassadors. We're agents, we're agenting the kingdom in the midst of culture. Number two, it means our influence is different. We looked at that in part two. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. What does that mean? It means that by contact, salt, and by contrast, light, we influence our environments. Wherever you are, you're called to be an influence. You're called to be salt by contact. What does that mean? It means that when you're in a certain environment, a Christian, by virtue of their identity in Christ, is called to make things better. You know, that's what salt does. But salt also stops and prevents evil. In the first century, salt was used as a preservative. It prevented decay and rot. In the spiritual realm, when Jesus calls us salt, we stop the decay in culture by our very presence. So our influence is by contact, but it's also by contrast, right? People see how we act by contrast, that's the light, and they glorify God. That's what Jesus said. You're the light of the world, right? And men are gonna see your good deeds and they're gonna glorify God who is in heaven. So our source is different. Our influence is different. And now we're gonna go into what we're gonna talk about today in part three, which is our mindset is different. So important. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a kind of a pre-mission briefing of Jesus with his disciples. And now we're being called into that same pre-mission briefing as men of God. Listen to Jesus talk. All right, it says this in Matthew chapter 10. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. 
and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. As you go, Jesus said, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. So just put yourself in that context. Jesus is looking at his guys and he's like, hey, Operation Kingdom Advance, it's a go. And here is what I am going to give you. And I wanna unpack briefly what Jesus tells the disciples to say and do and how to think. Number one, Jesus gives sanction, very important. Jesus gave them authority, right? It's a transfer when someone gives you their authority. They're transferring their power to command. They're giving you their position in a realm that gives you the power to command things. Wow, that is significant. Same is true for you and I. When Jesus sends us on mission into our context, we have sanction. Number two, he gave them a message. He said, preach this. What did he say to preach? What did he tell them to say? The kingdom is near. In other words, you and I would say it more like, hey, God is moving. Uh, God is at work. God is at present in this. God has brought us together. So many times I've, I've been on trips and I've been sitting next to people and I've been, or I've been traveling and God creates an encounter for me and I realize that I'm there by God's appointment. And I'll say something like, hey, you know what? The Lord is with us right now and he wants you to know, or God sent me to be next to you, or God sent me to be in this context. And that's what he's saying to them. He's saying, guess what? Here's what you say. The kingdom is near. God is present. When the kingdom's near, that means that God's present and God's moving and God's at work, right? Very important. Third, Jesus gives them targets. He says, okay, I want you to, to see these needs. I want you to see the sick, the dead, lepers, and those who are demonized. These are things that those men would know very clearly in their context, they would see every day, all right? They see people who are sick, people who are dying, people who have skin disease, uh, and they, they see people afflicted by evil. Guess what? We see the same things. We see people who are ill. We see people who are dying or dead. We see people who are afflicted with disease, and we see people who are afflicted by evil, and Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to, to target those specific needs. And then Jesus gives them power. He says, heal the sick. He says, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. So they have authority, they have the power to command, and then they have his power. So authority and power go together, and he just gives them uh, present, active, imperative commands to take their authority and exercise power in his name. Can you believe the authority and the power that Jesus gives to us and to his disciples? Wow. And then he gives them motivation. He says, hey, freely you've received, freely give. What does that mean? It means that they're gonna pay it forward. Receivers are commissioned to be givers. That's significant. 
Have you received from Christ forgiveness? Have you received from Christ cleansing, power, redemption, healing, hope, joy, encouragement, relief? You know, Jesus says, freely you've received. Here's your motivation, guys. Freely give. So he, he tells the disciples, you're going to pay it forward. You are receivers now commissioned to be givers. So there's what they're going to say. They have sanction and message. There's what they're going to do. They have targets and power. They've got their motivation. And then lastly, uh, Jesus tells them how to think. He says, he gives them a picture, right? He says, I'm sending you out. I don't know if this is encouraging or discouraging or just being honest, but he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Man, imagine that dropping into your brain. Okay, here's our pre-mission briefing. This is what's going on. You know, it's not fun if you're a sheep to get stuck in a pack of wolves, all right? Fangs out. He says that it's gonna be testy. It's gonna, it's gonna involve some persecution. It's gonna involve, uh, you know, some, some tension. And he doesn't mix words. He's upfront, he's honest. So that's the picture and we'll unpack that. And then he gives him a command. After he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, he gives them a command. And he says, so here's how you gotta think. You gotta be shrewd as snakes and you gotta be innocent as dove. I don't know if you've ever really given that um, a lot of thought, but those are two commands for God's men who are operating in a theater of battle amidst the wolves to be shrewd and to be innocent. You know, I just wanna pause our discussion right there and just ask you, here's the mindset in the meeting that Jesus is having with his followers. What is your mindset about your mission today as a follower? How do you perceive yourself as a man of God? How do you perceive yourself entering into work settings and, and neighborhood settings and family settings and cultural settings and cultural discussions. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not, you're not of the world, you're in it and you're entering in and this is how you have to think. And so we're gonna look at how not of it, the world, means being a snake dove for Jesus. Remember he said, be shrewd as snakes, be innocent as doves. So we're gonna unpack those two commands because they're imperatives. Be shrewd, be innocent, and that will show you how to operate in the world. So let's look at the first uh, quality that Jesus wants us to manifest as we're operating in the world, and that's shrewdness. Number one, shrewd means guarding your mind actively. Guarding your mind actively. When you run into a shrewd person, they're perceptive. They're not naive, they're not gullible. Their mind is on. Someone who's shrewd is assessing your person, the situation, what's happening. They're connecting the dots. It talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. Uh, it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, listen, and of a sound mind. When you have the spirit of God, when you have the right spirit, that right spirit needs a right mind. So the spirit of God 
that isn't afraid and fearless also needs to coordinate with the mind of the man of God, right? What does a sound mind mean? It means a self-controlled mind. It means a disciplined mind. It means um, someone who has their head on right. They're clear, right? There is this uh, readiness because that mind understands that they're in a theater of battle. They're being shrewd, the radar is on. This is a theme in the New Testament for the believer. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, in this cultural riptide right now, that's exactly what's happening. And if you're not alert and you're not of sound and sober mind, the enemy is going to divert, the enemy is going to distract, and it's gonna get you off mission, off target, off motivation, off sanction. And we have to be alert and sober. There's a soberness, there's a clarity there of, this is who we are, this is our environment, this is how what we have to say, do, and think. Now, clear, calm thinking is a rare commodity in today's cultural riptide. Everybody's emotions are getting stirred up. Everybody's reacting and not responding. And the man of God sent on mission to bring the kingdom into culture, he has to be clear. He has to be calm. Where does that come from? Well, look at Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, and, and you have a very clear instruction for how to not get caught up in a cultural riptide. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Listen, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So being shrewd means guarding your, guarding your mind actively, right? That's the headline for this. That means if you got the right spirit, you gotta have the right mind. You gotta be alert, you gotta be sober. And then to be clear and calm in the midst of the wolves, that comes from not panicking, but praying. I don't know how you settle yourself or how you process what's going on around you right now in the world with the pandemic or with racial tension, how to respond. You wanna get clarity? You start talking to God. You start guarding your mind actively through prayer. Now, if you're like me, sometimes your prayer life can be really great and then it can be really poor. It can be really great, it can be really poor. Now, the Bible says something incredible. It says, pray without ceasing. How do, how, how do you do that in work at the same time? How do you do that and interact? Well, what the Bible means when it says pray without ceasing is that your thinking actually becomes praying and your praying is your thinking. Okay, that's where you are in constant contact and communion with God. There's no separation that you're always thinking about who you are and where you are. You're managing your mind. You see, this is what it means to be, have your spirit on a swivel and being in the spiritual battle. So when Jesus says, be shrewd as snakes, first quality, shrewd means guarding my mind 
actively, right? Second, shrewd means discerning God's will actively. So having clarity and having a right mind, that's great. You're clear, you're ready, but now you need to discern, right? Now I'm in this situation, my spirit is on a swivel, I'm assessing, my eyes are open, my spirit is ready, I'm sober, right? I'm alert, I'm prayerful, I'm thinking spiritual thoughts and praying spiritual prayers. Now I need to discern God's will. What action am I gonna take? And that's what Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, a little bit later in the discussion. Uh, he says this, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, in today's culture, especially with media, uh, cable news, social media, social media platforms, there's a lot of voices, wouldn't you say? I mean, I must get five videos a day, five podcasts a day. You know, there's post after post after post after post. Hey, listen to this person, listen to this person, listen to this person, listen to what they say. You know who you need to be listening to? Number one, you need to be listening to the voice of Jesus Christ. Because you're on his team, he's given you mission briefing, you are of his word, of the spirit, of heaven, you're his ambassador. What voice do you need to be listening to? Right? You need to be listening to Jesus' voice. And that's how he describes you. He says, hey, my sheep listen to my voice. Can I just encourage you to try something? Maybe for a few days. I know this will be hard for a lot of you. Take a fast from cable news and dial in the voice of Christ, not the voice of culture. Hey, there's lots of good intentions and there's lots of great voices out there. Don't get me wrong. I love so many of them. But right now, I'm fasting from cable news. I get a little update on my phone, but I'm not DVRing because I need to dial in. We're in a cultural riptide right now, men, and we need to hear with clarity the voice of Jesus because we have to discern God's will actively. It talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It's so interesting during these times when you have conversations uh, with people and you bring up just like, hey, where do, you, where do you see that in God's Word? Or is that God's heart in Scripture? Or is this the voice of Jesus? And they, 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 they quote you um, a political pundit or they quote you some uh, cultural influencer and they don't wanna hear uh, what scripture has to say. Guys, this is, this is our source and we, if we're of the spirit, it means that we're spiritually discerning things and we have to have that, that filter on. Uh, it talks about this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It's another warning to believers who are advancing the kingdom in the midst of culture. And it's kind of a guardrail. It's, this is where the apostle John says, My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. You know what's happening right now? A lot of conflation. People are conflating cultural forces and cultural movements and political movements with the kingdom of God. And, and it feels so, like such a natural uh, fit 
you know? Well, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, culture, cosmos, right? There's a lot of God talk that's not God, but you know what? You need God on the team to advance your movement, you know? And so we have to be very, very careful. So shrewd, right? Shrewd means discernment. It means perceptive, not naive. It means listening for and listening to God's voice. It's spirit connected, it's spirit filled, it's spirit led, it's spirit controlled. It's not getting sucked in to bad intelligence because if you have bad intelligence, if you're listening to the wrong voices, you make bad choices. Let's look at the third aspect of being shrewd this morning. Shrewd means rooting out Satan's works. You know, it's really interesting, as Jesus was walking earth as the son of God, you know, in the midst of a culture, Jesus had on, I'm just gonna make a metaphor, like his night vision goggles. And he's looking for sort of the, the heat signature of the enemy. You know, if you're part of a quick reaction force and there's movement outside the wire coming against where your, your troops are, you send out a quick reaction for us, boom, they snap on their night vision goggles and they can see, they can take away the cover of darkness and they can see heat signatures. And when you watch Jesus operate, to stay on track, he has to spot Satan, you know, in the midst, right next to him, because he knows that there's a lot of good intentions, but good intentions don't mean God's intentions. And that was with his guys. You know, we all remember that famous scene with Peter. It talks about it in Matthew 16, where Peter is um, not wanting Jesus to suffer. In fact, he kind of want to start, he, he wants to start a war. You know, there's political tension. There's Jew versus Roman. Uh, they're changing their way of life. Peter's mixing God's intentions with good intentions that were not God's intention in the moment and we see this come out between Jesus and his right-hand guy, Peter. Listen to what uh, Jesus said. It says this in Matthew chapter 16, it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And then listen to how he defines what a stumbling block is. He says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So. Do you see how Peter unwittingly, right, got caught up in the cultural tide and he's blending cultural movements and intentions into the intentions of God and Peter's uh, being exposed by Jesus himself. He's consciously or subconsciously uh, being used by the enemy. And so in the midst of the mission, Jesus' shrewdness roots out Satan's works to stay on track, right? Because that's why Jesus has to say these hard words uh, to Peter. He's like, man, you're making me stumble. Can I just tell you guys that um, there's a lot of voices out there and um, there's a lot of subconscious connection to uh, agendas that are not God's agenda. They're, they might even be good agendas. They might even be patriotic agendas. They might even be good political discussions to have, but it's not, it's not exactly what God wants to do through you in this moment. And we have to be really careful. So the filter is, is it God's concern? 
truest concern or is it man's concern? There's your filter. Jesus shows us the filter with which we're supposed to be on mission. He, what he modeled for us is meant for us and we have to have those night vision goggles on that he has. Now, it's really interesting that Peter, who gets outed, he learns from this, right? Because as his own follower, after the resurrection, when there's an exploding movement of Christianity, Peter is managing movement of God's kingdom, and there's an acceleration of it. And in Acts chapter five, what Jesus did with him, he does to two people who try to hijack God's agenda for their selfish agenda, named Ananias and Sapphira. Listen to Peter, all right? Reproduce his experience with Jesus where he was on the receiving end in this setting. It says this, but a man named Ananias and, and his wife Sapphira, conniving in this with him, sold a piece of land, secretly kept a part of the prize for himself, and then brought the rest to the apostles and made an offering of it, Peter said, Ananias, how did Satan get you to lie to the Holy Spirit? What is he saying? He's saying there's a movement of God and Ananias and Sapphira are like, we wanna be a part of it. People are giving, people are supporting. And then they there's this little add-on they do in terms of their action, like, hey, let's uh, let's hold back some of what we were told to give uh, to to the church for ourselves, and so they pivot, and their motives change, and they now hijack uh, this opportunity of giving to be more visible. Wow, we're gonna be with the people who give, but actually they're keeping back what they were supposed to give, and so Peter is shrewd. Right? It's like, hey, when did you switch teams? You know, and the consequences for exploiting, right, what God wants to do by bringing in another agenda is pointed out. So, uh, just by way of review, being shrewd means guarding your mind actively, being shrewd means discerning God's will actively, and being shrewd means rooting out Satan's works. Wow. Now, think about yourself right now. Are you shrewd? Are you guarding your mind actively? Are you discerning God's will actively? And are you, do you got your night vision on in the spirit? And are you looking for rooting out Satan's works because he's the God of this world, this culture, all right? So be shrewd as snakes. Next, Jesus commands, be innocent as doves. What an odd combination, right? Be shrewd as serpents, right? who who, ha, who feel on their skin and, and they have their body on the ground, they're sensing the vibration of what's going on. And then it says, be innocent as doves, all right? So let's unpack uh, what that means. Number one, innocent means staying clean. You stay clean. You wanna have influence right now? You wanna get your mind right? Be shrewd, but also be innocent, which means staying clean. Why? This is really important. Listen up. Clean spiritually, right? S innocent of evil and sin means clarity. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later, but look at how the man after God's own heart stays clean. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. 
This is David talking, he's praying, he's talking to God. He wants to stay clean. So what does he say? He says this, investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me, cross-examine, test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. You see, Jesus puts himself before God. It's almost like a God MRI, right? And he puts himself before God and he says, you know what, God? I want you to knock on every door. I want you to look in every room. I want you to pick up every rug. I want you to cross-examine and test me. And I want you to look for things that are off in my spirit, in my life. See if there be any hurtful way in me. See if I've done anything wrong. And then, after you've done your inspection, guide me. Guide me on the road to eternal life. You see, that's a man who understands the spiritual battle. What's David doing? He's, he's staying clean, all right? Now, it talks about this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Um, we have to know that there's a propensity for us to get polluted. And we have to be in this process of cleansing and staying clean. It says this in 1 John 1, 9 and 10, it says, if we claim we have no sin, in other words, if we claim that we never fall short, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See that theme? If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our lives. In other words, if you claim that there's no pollution or no, no sin uh, in, in your life, then, then you're calling God a liar because Jesus came to save sinners. Right? He came for the lost, and we're not living in the truth. In other words, God says we're a sinner. God says we need to confess. God says uh, that we need forgiveness. God says that there's parts of us that are not aligned with him. All right? But if we claim like, mm, we, don't have to, we don't have to confess that, we don't have to claim that, uh, then it's a little dysfunctional because then we're saying, well, God, you know, I know you sent Jesus because I am a sinner, uh, but I don't sin. And, and let's, how, let's listen how this relates into the spiritual battle, right? The only way to stay clean is through confession. It's, it's a, a spiritual discipline and it's a practice. It's sort of like, you know, dishes get dirty, we clean them, right? We don't eat off the dirty dishes, right? You can be a cracked pot, right? Which you're a jar of clay, but the inside has to be clean. All right? You hold a treasure, the Bible says, and that, to be used in this moment, you gotta be clean, and that's what being innocent means. If you're, not, if you're not innocent in the midst of culture, that impacts your influence. Secondly, innocent means steering clear of sin. Now we're getting more directed, right? So be clean, right? Put yourself before the Lord, ask him to point things out for you, right? Keep short accounts with God, confess your sin, stay clean. But now, once you're clean, you got to steer clear of sin um, or you'll cut God's power. Listen to Jesus talk to his disciples about how they might be thinking about themselves at any given moment, that they're clean and that they're at full power, uh, but actually they have cut power because of 
a sin that they're allowing to remain in their life. Listen to Jesus talk. He says, your eye is like the lamp that provides light for your body, right? When your eye is healthy, your whole body, listen, is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure, right, there's the admonition. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. And then here's the conditional statement. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. What's Jesus pointing out? He's pointing out our, ten our tendency to compartmentalize, where we're a 95-5 Christian. In other words, in 95%, you got light, but the 5% is a dark corner. It's a compartmentalized attitude or action that we're like, we're okay keeping in our lives, right? When God's not okay with it. Jesus would talk to the disciple and say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? It's, hey, I'm good, you know, Sunday through Friday, but Saturday, that's my time. Or I'm good in all these areas. God, you have everything to say about all these other different things, but on this thing where I know what you say, I'm not gonna do what you say in this one area. You're not gonna speak into that area. That's what the Bible calls a dark corner. And what dark corners do, according to Jesus, is it cuts power in your life. He actually says, hey, don't think that the light you have is good if there's a dark corner. Actually, it's darkness. You've cut full power. So this is a call to men of God to be shrewd and to be innocent. Innocent means staying clean and steering clear of sin, all right? In 1 John, it says this. It says, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us of all sin. So we stay clean. We steer clear of sin. And that means that, that we can't have darkness in our lives sitting right next to light, the light of God, because God is light, he can't have anything to do with this darkness. And so just a little bit of darkness, right, that we're willingly allowing to be in our lives cuts God's power because he's light. Light doesn't have anything to do with darkness. So some of us this morning might be thinking, hey, you know what? I got it all, you know, it's all good. It's great. You know, I'm in the light. I'm here. I got out. But there's an attitude or an action that's gotta go, and you know it's gotta go. So, stay clean, steer clear of sin. Innocent, number three, means sticking to God's ways. And I use that word specifically because right now, there's a lot of pulling away from God's ways and kind of blending in some of the cultural voices and political voices and movement voices with God's way. Right? You gotta be focused, you gotta be determined. Look at what uh, Jesus says in John 8, 29. He said, and the one who sent me, right? He's on mission. The one who sent me is with me. 
He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Man, what a filter. And what simplicity of operation for the Son of God who's on the mission from God. What simplicity of operation for sons of God on the mission of God. You know, Jesus is, is, is speaking to us right now. What you say, what you do, what you think. Right now, it's gotta please God. You gotta stick to that. There's a lot of things you can detach from other than pleasing God to please people, to please voices, to please movements, to please politics, to please, but that's not your agenda. You're not of the world, you're of Christ, you're of his word, you're of the spirit, and he wants you to please him. And you have to stick to it. There's an integrity uh, to that in the midst of what's happening. You know, we see Jesus sticking to God's way under pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says these famous words. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Was there tension inside of Jesus not to stick to God's way? Uh-huh, otherwise you don't say those words. Was he overwhelmed? Yes. Was he under intense pressure not to go forward? Yes, but he stuck to God's will. And this is the real challenge in this cultural riptide right now is where you have to kind of push other things away and you have to bring yourself in before God and you have to recognize you're on mission and you gotta be shrewd as a snake and innocent as a dove. Look, listen to the, one of the greatest uh, spiritual coaches of all time, Paul, tell believers in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. He says this, so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away. He says, you know what, living or dying, I'm pleasing the Lord. I'm not pleasing man, I'm not pleasing the political party, I'm not pleasing culture, I'm not even pleasing patriotism, as, as awesome as that is, right? I am pleasing God. So I wanna unpack just in conclusion, why shrewdness, why innocence? Let's talk about shrewdness first, right? When you're shrewd, when you're perceptive, when you're rooting out uh, Satan's works, when you're discerning actively God's will, it preempts deception. Shrewdness preempts deception. Man, when you're on, when, you're when your night vision goggles are on and, and your head is on a swivel and your spirit is on a swivel, man, you're not gonna be deceived. A shrewd person doesn't get deceived. Why? Because they're perceptive, not naive. Secondly, shrewdness prevents diversion. Do you see how that is so important. Jesus was doing his pre-mission briefing. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be shrewd, right? Don't get distracted. Man, in today's digital culture, with digital media and digital social platforms, it can get so distracting, right? And Jesus is saying, you know what? You gotta be shrewd, you know? So that's shrewdness, that's why. You gotta be shrewd as a snake. Now let's talk about innocence, right? That means innocence to evil and sin. When you're innocent to evil and innocent to sin, that provides clarity. Jesus knew that. If you want a clear communication channel with me, which is what all men in battle want, all right, they want comms, they want clear intel. You cannot have the static of sin. 
in your life. Sin is the equivalent of power-killing static. You will not be able to hear it. And that means you have to separate from the world, right? And you have to separate from the world's ways. And you got to deal with sin. You got to stay clean. You got to steer clear. You got to stick to God's way. Secondly, innocence promotes receptivity to the spirit, right? Clear channel, clear communication. Staticky channel, no communication, right? So be shrewd, be innocent in battle, right? Because earth is a battlefield. So when it comes to being not of the world, it means your source uh, is, is different, right? Your influence is different and your mindset is different. And that's where God is calling us to a new mindset right now. We gotta have the mind of Christ. And we have to think about ourselves as men fighting a good fight in the theater of the world. This is our, our landing zone that we've been dropped into by, by God's choosing. And our job is to advance his kingdom, but we're not gonna do it unless we're shrewd as snakes and innocent as dove. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this, uh, this mission briefing this morning. And I know that there's a lot of processing going on in the heads of men as they're listening to my voice. They're evaluating themselves and they're reevaluating their perception of who they are. And they're sons of God. They're called into this collision of kingdom advancing in the midst of culture. And together with them, I'm seeking you, Lord. I'm seeking you for, for my part. Lord, you've given us targets the very people that you've placed in our lives that we see every day and you've given us authority and you've given us sanction and you've given us power. Well, Lord, we wanna be shrewd. Lord, we wanna be discerning. Lord, help us to guard our minds today. Help us to see Satan at work. Lord, even in people right around us, Lord, so that we can stay focused. God, help us to just stay clean. Lord, we ask you to examine us like David asked you to examine and investigate his life, Lord. Just root out the things that aren't right and we confess those things. There's some things that we know right now, they're not right and we confess those things. Lord, we wanna tell you that they're, they're going, they're out, Lord, because we want we want a clear channel and clear receptivity with you. And so God, I pray for every man of God listening right now. Lord, would you fill him with the Holy Spirit that he would be spirit empowered right now, spirit led, spirit controlled, sober, alert, and effective to advance your kingdom today in his context. Give him wisdom, give him power. Let by contact and by contrast, every man listening to my voice be an influence for you in this historic moment. In Christ's name I pray, and all God's men said, amen.